0: Well, praise the Lord, and thank you, thank you, thank you for giving, and we want to welcome you to the Gateway Church. we got a few guests with us this morning, it looks like, and uh, you've picked a great place to come to church, I think, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing, and uh, we know that you have choices, and so the fact that you're here today really honors us, it honors the Lord, and we just welcome you here. Um, I just want to declare, I've got in my notes here, I love this church. And I hope you do as well. And I love to preach the word. And we've been uh, tracking through 1 Corinthians for the last 15 months, believe it or not. But when we highlight God's word in a systematic way, how many know that it has the power to change us? It has the power to allow us to grow, to grow in knowledge, but to also grow in intimacy with God, and it's exciting to kind of journey with you. Now last week we finished up chapter 15, 15 chapters, 15 months, maybe you see a pattern here, I'm not sure, but today we're going to start the last chapter, chapter 16, where I want to remind you that Paul, he's writing a letter to the people that he loved. And it was Holy Spirit-inspired, and uh, 1 Corinthians has been full of principles, it's been full of correction, d- doctrine, encouragement. And most recently, chapter 15, of course, was the resurrection chapter, perhaps the best place to go in Scripture to study uh, the resurrection in depth. And, uh, and you say, boy, how do you make a transition from talking about this grandiose idea of the resurrection How do you do that? And what's interesting is Paul, in the flow of writing, he has 58 verses, this glorious truth, the resurrection, the future glory, and now Paul talks about the offering. Now don't worry, we've already taken the offering this morning, (laughs) all right? And so we're not going to turn anybody's arms, but he talks about the collection. And at first look, you look at this, you say, boy, that seems somewhat disconnected. But when you think about it, and as I sat with this over the week, and I'm saying, okay, Our future glory is secured. We know what God is going to do. We talked about that over the past several weeks. So how are we to live in the here and now? I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3 because I think there's some insight in this that is very interesting. 2 Peter chapter 3, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's uh, Bibles on the back table. I encourage you to grab one so we can, we're going to be looking at a lot of verses. Some I'll refer to uh, briefly, some others we'll look at together. In 2 Peter chapter 3, um, Peter's talking about the day of the Lord when Christ is going to return for the church. And after he talks about it for a while, in verse 11, he says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way, how he described, what kind of people ought you to be? So uh, with the understanding of the future that's ahead of us, we understand what God's word says. We talked about that with the resurrection. What type of people ought we to be? And then what he says, he says, you ought to live holy and godly lives As you look forward to the day of of God and speed its coming. So we should live as unto the Lord. We should live holy lives and we should live lives that are godly. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, we said that the resurrection should influence the way that we live. It was the big takeaway that if eternity is, is what really matters, then we should be investing in eternity. And I would say that that includes our finances. It just does. It includes every part, even our giving. And by the way, Scripture speaks more about the subject of giving more than any other subject in Scripture. Um, You you can do some word studies on the believe or believing. There's 272 words uh, or times that that's uh, talked about. Prayer, you say, boy, that's a big one in Scripture, right? 372 different times in Scripture there's an emphasis on prayer. Love is even bigger. 714 times um, the Bible is encouraging us to love. But how many do you think are, are on giving? And of course, it can be giving in a lot of different ways, not just financially. But giving is highlighted 2,162 times in Scripture. It's a big deal. And this morning, we're going to get a chance to, to, to get our mind around that. And what I love, uh, a friend of mine, Jonathan Decoux, he said this. He says, how we manage our material possessions and our money is very important to the Lord and reflects the attitudes and intentions of of our hearts. Do you believe that? Show me your finances, I'll show you what's important to you. The way you spend your money is the is what's close to your heart. So without further ado, turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to highlight God's word. I'm going to ask you to stand. We only got four uh, verses to get through this morning um, about the collection for God's people, uh, but uh, these are important, and uh, let's uh, honor God by by standing and paying attention. Uh, You can follow along, read along. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, "...now about the collection for God's people." Now, hold on, I'll pause here for just a second. Now, all throughout Corinthians, we've seen phrases like that. Now about spiritual gifts. Now about uh, your issue um, with, uh, with all different things. Um, this was a topic, what we're about to talk about, that was being discussed among the Christian leaders at Corinth. And so Paul is addressing. Remember, there was several letters that went back and forth. And even though it says it's First Corinthians, it most likely was not the first letter that Paul wrote. And so he's, it's a conversation back and forth. And so when it says now about the collection for God's people, he is most likely uh, identifying something that they asked specifically. All right. So now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it, is, if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. There's quite a bit of truth here. Um, let's get our minds around this. Let's ask God to help. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you Uh, Speak to us uh, through your word. It's really a powerful tool that that is life-transforming. God, I pray that today you would just capture our hearts, capture our minds, and we just pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And what we see here in these few verses is that Paul lays out some basic directives for giving. And the first thing I want to do is lay some groundwork for us. There are four principles for giving or of giving. And the first one is this. When it comes to giving, number one, God owns it all. He owns everything. Everyone say everything. Everything. He owns your business. He owns your car. He owns your home. He owns your clothes. He owns your investments. He owns your bank account. He owns your paycheck when you get it, if you get one. In Psalm chapter 24, verse one, uh, in fact, you can turn there with me. It's an interesting verse. Uh, it's quoted a lot, and I was looking for it. It took me a while to find it. Psalm 24 verse one, you've heard this before, "The Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters." How many have heard that God owns it all, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We, we, we find that in Scripture. David, King David, declared the same. He said, "It is all yours." In First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, everything is the Lord's, and because of that, we understand from Scripture that we are managers. We are stewards. That we are we on manage, we on loan we are <laughs> I'm sorry on loan to manage God's assets. So, so God gives us some things on loan so that we can uh, manage those on His behalf. The proof of this is that when we come into the world, what ha- what do we bring with us? Nothing. And when we die, when we leave this world, what do we leave? Or what do we take with us? Nothing. Right. Why? Because none of it is yours. None of it is mine. And if that's the case, if that's the truth, if God were to ask you to give something, it shouldn't bother you to release it, to give it. I like to use this illustration, Pastor Pete. I want you to stand up for a second. Do um, you got your wallet with you, man? I do. All right. Oh, this is great. All right. Let me see your wallet, man. All right. So let's pretend that. I'm nervous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's pretend that Pete is the Lord, all right, this morning. I mean, he did a great job praying and stuff, but he's not the Lord for real. Don't get confused. Um, but so, so in the Lord, you know, if the Lord were to impress me to give something, out oh, dude, you don't have any money. I need another volunteer. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, I do. You know what you got in here? Six cents. All right. Two cents, man. You're, you're behind. If the Lord were to encourage me, second service, I'm going to pick someone else, just so you know. If the Lord were to encourage me to give this two cents, it's easy. It, I mean, I'd I just give it away, right? I can have it. All right, well, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it to my daughter. All right, yes. All right, bless you. All right. But the idea, it was easy. And if there was a $100 bill in here, it would have been easy. Or if there were 10 $100 bills, It would have been really easy for me just to give it away because it wasn't mine, right? It was Pete's. And the idea, thanks Pete, is that it's all the Lord's. Everything is the Lord. The second principle, oh no, this is a question a lot of people say, but I worked for it, right? I worked for that paycheck. Well, the second uh, principle is that God provides everything. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, turn with me there, it's in the... uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 17 says this, You may to yourself my power, and the strength of my hands have pr- produced the wealth for me. So in other words, I'm the one that has worked, I'm the one that earned this paycheck, right? And, uh, and we, there are times that we can get caught up in that type of thinking, but look what it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He's the one that gives you the energy to work. It's from the Lord. Your intellect to work is from the Lord. The opportunity to work is from the Lord. In 1 Chronicles 29, again, David says, everything is from your hand. So when you give back to the Lord, you're only giving back what is His already. Uh, In Dave Ramsey's class, the uh, the last lesson, is a lesson on giving. And he talks about, a um, similar to the idea with what we just did with Pete, but he talks about that, that the Lord is, uh, is really uh, the one that is making the deposit into our lives. And if we were like a bank, that we are the ones that manage that. And it's just a really beautiful principle. And it leads us to the third one, the principle of giving, that God wants the first portion of what we get. Exodus chapter 34, Genesis, Exodus, you can turn there with me. Exodus chapter 34, verse 19. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from your herd or from your flock. And Some people look at this and they say, oh, uh, "Boy, this is a great important truth." And uh, and I would agree. I do believe. In fact, it, this th- this principle uh, that God wants the first portion it will bless you. It will be a source of great blessing in your life. I'm not sharing these tr- these truths uh, for our glory for the Gateway Church. No. Um, it is for you to get your teeth into and to really experience it. But some people, they kind of rear up their, uh, their, or they drag their heels. They say, hey, no, 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 this was just the law, right? But what I want you to know, when you study Scripture in its complete form, that the truth, this truth was before the law. It was given in the law and spoken of after the law with Jesus, Let me give you one example. Before the law, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, they were both required to bring an offering to the Lord, right? Cain brought some of the fruit in Genesis chapter 4, not the first. And Abel Abel brought the first portion of his cattle, right? And the result, Abel was favored. Cain was not favored. And of course, it caused some issue. Now, God says that He wants us to honor Him with our first, with the first of our any increase. And so if we did have 10 $100 bills, that would be awesome, right? Um, Well, you say, well, if I had 10 $100 bills in front of me, which one is the first? Is it this one? Is it this one? Is it in the middle? It's the first one that's spent, right? That's the idea. The fourth principle is this, that what you do with the first determines what happens with the rest. If you're still there in Exodus chapter 34, you see this. Look at verse 20. It says, Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb. If you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem all of your firstborn sons. You say, what is this talking about? The idea here is that you would be better off not uh, keeping the donkey than to keep what is God's. You can't keep it. It's God's, and if you do keep it, you're cursed, the Bible talks about. And if you give it, you're blessed. And so it's interesting that the first portion and what you do with the first portion is absolutely critical. Psychologists even talk about this, that with the first, uh, maybe like the first three minutes uh, when you get home, if you're irritable, you're stressed, or your tone is bad, uh, it's going to affect the rest of the evening. If you're joyful, if you're cheerful, it's going to be a better night. The same thing is true with our time, the first of our time. If we get, up in the morning and give our first to the Lord. We spend some time with God. That principle will bring blessings into our lives in all of the areas of our lives, including our income. The first belongs to God. Now in scripture, we see a pattern that 10% is the pattern in scripture that we are to give. And I believe it's clear. I believe it's compelling. You can turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. And, uh, it's, and we, we see some scripture here that, that talks about that uh, as, as the uh, Old Testament wraps up. And uh, what I want you to, to know, and I want to say some things that, that are kind of bold, and I've got them in my notes here, and I've been praying. I'm saying, Lord, I want to say this with love, but I believe that there are some here that, in our congregation that never have enough, they can't hardly make ends meet. And the question is, is why is that? Or if there's a pattern of that is because there are people, unfortunately, that give God the leftovers. You pay everything and do everything that you want and give God the rest. And scripture says that when we do that, when we don't honor God with the first, we will live under a curse. Now it's not a salvation issue and it's not a love issue. God doesn't love you anymore if you give or if you don't. That's not the issue. The point is, is if you give, if you honor God with the first fruits, God will make the rest better. And it's interesting, I was reading uh, or listening to uh, John Lindell. Uh, he's a pastor down in Springfield, Missouri, uh, a great pastor. And he, and he, was, he was talking about tithing and, uh, in, in particular. And he said, you know, even if I was an unbeliever, I think I would tithe. And I, I kind of, I, I, that relates to me. I, I think, yeah, I think that's the, that's the truth. I think that would be the truth in my life as well. Look at Malachi chapter three. Um, the certainty uh, you know, God, that God brings with scripture. Listen to what it says in uh, verse eight. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how do I rob you? In tithes and in offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. And then he goes on to say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food enough in my house Test me in this, so says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to contain it. The idea is that you bring it to the Lord. And the challenge is, is that we test God, we try it out. And the challenge is um, that this is where be- that giving begins. And uh, what we're going to talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is not talking about the tithe, but I wanted to lay some groundwork here. And the challenge is, is that, yeah, this is where we start. We start with the tithe. You say, oh, that's Old Testament, or that's the law, and we're not under the law. How many have heard that before, right? I- I've heard that many times. Well, Jesus upholds that truth in Matthew chapter 23. He says, You're doing all these things. He says, Don't, don't limit or don't forget the, the law but excel in grace, right? And uh, very interesting, Matthew 23. And by the way, the law, if we really were Old Testament right by the law, it really 23.5% to 27% was the duty to give on top of the 10. And you say in the New Testament, God says to excel in grace. What would grace ask of us in regards to our finances? it would still be the first. I believe it's a principle throughout Scripture. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1-4, it's talking about the offerings above and beyond the tithe. And that's where I want to come back and look. And we'll look at the next principle is the purpose of giving. Look at verse 1 in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16. Look what it says. It says, Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatians churches to do. We're talking. The context here is that they were that Paul was uh, collecting an offering for the Christians in Jerusalem. You say, well, why would he be doing this? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, there was a population increase. Um, that After the day of Pentecost, uh, that, that when all the people were gathered together at the great uh, Jewish feast, that 3,000 uh, heard Peter preaching, right? 3,000 come to the Lord. They're all baptized, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, it just uh, God's doing some great thing. It's, and what happened in Jerusalem at that time is that many of those people did not go home. They stayed right there in Jerusalem. And the result is that many of their resources were drained and many of them lost their jobs or didn't have jobs at that time. A second thing was happening that there was a lot of persecution in the early church. Uh, All these people are getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Jews were adamantly against what was happening. And so if you are a Christ follower in that context, in that time, it was very likely that if you stood up and said, all right, I'm going to follow Christ, that you would lose your job or you couldn't get a job in Jerusalem if you were proclaiming Christ. One other thing, in Acts chapter 11, it's mentioned that there was famine in the land, um, that there was poverty, and there were many poor people among them. And what was interesting is Paul... um, had it on his heart unashamedly to encourage the Gentile churches to demonstrate unity with the Jerusalem brothers and sisters by ministering to their material needs. And so he was raising up or uh, receiving an offering. He's saying, hey, let's do this. Uh, and then this next thing we see, it kind of leads us, is the pattern of giving. And he kind of says, hey, this is how I want you to do it. He says now about the collection with God's Uh, for God's people, do what I told the Galatians churches to do. And so he's going to repeat. He says this, he says, on the first day of every week, on the first day of every week, just like I uh, shared with the Galatians, I want you to give in this way. Now, it's a side note here that's totally not related, but the New Testament Christians, uh, they began to meet on Sundays, on Resurrection Day, and giving was an act of worship. It was not a duty. It was not an obligation. And I would say that it's not a duty. It's not an obligation here at the Gateway Church either. But what God is saying here is that God, uh, through Paul, he's saying that every week... God wants us, he wants you, to consider the stewardship of your resources on a weekly basis. He wants you to slow down and say, okay, God, this is what you've provided. This is, you know, what am I going to do with this? Each week, as a part of worship, to declare God is Lord over our finances. How many think that's a healthy thing to do? I, I really believe. Now, some of you are saying, well, I get paid every other week. And I would say, well, that's no issue, right? But every week, according to Scripture, there's, there's, the importance uh, is here is that we ask God, we say, God, is there something you want me to do in regards to my finances this week? That there's a pattern of giving, that it's regular, that it's weekly. And that's just good for your own finances anyway, just to pay attention. We talk about that in Dave Ramsey. It was, if you're paying attention on a weekly basis, you're going to get traction. You're going to get momentum. And that's interesting. As I was studying this, I remember uh, back when I was a kid, my grandpa, he would tell me and tell my other um, uh, my sisters, and uh, we were the only ones... Uh, alive for a long time. Then my cousins came by much later. My parents were ahead of the game in in regards to uh, my other cousins. But uh, he would say this, and I remember this. He said, Never let the offering plate go by without putting something in it. Now, I don't always live up to that, uh, and we have two services, and so a lot of times I'll give in one, not in the other. Or there's weeks that I don't give on a Sunday, and uh, there's, I don't think there's any condemnation to that. But the idea is that when you come to worship the Lord, you should be sensitive, saying, God, is there something? Now, this is above and beyond your tithe. That, that's, that's where giving starts. That's a, a mandatory. But is there something, Lord, that you would have me to do? The idea is I want to worship God, and in a weekly acknowledgement, I want to honor God with my finances. That's an important thing to learn. Now the question is, is there a pattern of giving in your life? Is it planned? Is it regular? Or do you just do whatever you want? Do you even pay attention? I believe that God has laid out a pattern for us to follow. The next principle is that there's a place for giving. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, look what it says in verse 2. It says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will, be, will have to be made. There's a, it's implied here that on a weekly basis that the church, the early church members were bringing their offerings to the Lord. Now, some people read this and say, oh, well, I'm going to save it up and I will, when I feel led at that time, then I will give. And I would say that that is not the intent of this particular scripture. The place for giving was the local church in that setting. And that idea of saving it up on your own and then giving would have been foreign to the early church. In Acts chapter 4, verse 34, they gave their offerings to the apostles, to the leadership of the church. That was the pattern. In fact, there were no banks. There were, uh, in the pagan temples, they did collect money and it would hold it, and it would even have safe deposit boxes within the pagan temples. Uh, But if they did store it up and. Uh, if you're saying, "Okay, I'm going to store it up," then they would have to take an offering. When Paul came to the church, and he's saying, "No, I don't even want to take an offering. So give it in advance on a regular basis, and God will bless that." Everybody needs to be doing this, according to Paul, uh, and it needs, and then the needs will be met. The next principle is that there is it talks about is the participants in the giving. All right, and we see that in verse. Verse 2, again, we're still in verse 2. And the first day of the week, each one of you, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Each one. What that means, and what I really believe, is that there is not one of us here, young or old, that is exempt from this idea. That we all are responsible above and beyond our, our, um, our tithes, that we are to be looking for opportunities to give as the Lord would impress us to do. And some will say, well, I don't have any extra. I don't have anything extra to give. And I get that, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But listen, if you have it and the Lord puts it on your heart to to give it, it's a matter of what you do have that you want to release to the Lord. I read this story, it's kind of funny, is that uh, there was a, a farmer that was really just getting started and, and uh, was really struggling with a stewardship idea. And uh, a friend of his that was quite wealthy came up to him and said, Hey, if the Lord were to give you uh, uh, 100 acres to manage, would you give half of it back to God? And the, the meek farmer said, Yeah, I would, I would do that his friend said, if, I, if the Lord were to give you a, a 10,000 cattle, would you give half back to God? And the guy said, yes, I would. I would give half the cattle back. What about 1,000 sheep? If the Lord were to provide 1,000 sheep, would you give half back? And he said, yes. What about 100 chickens? If the Lord would provide 100 chickens, would you give half of them back? And the farmer said, yes. What about his equipment? If the Lord were to provide 10 trucks for you to manage all of this that God was going to give you, would you give half of those back to the Lord? And the the farmer said, yes, I would. I I think I would. I would do that. And then his friend said, if you had two pigs, would you give half? Would you give one back? To the Lord, and the farmer says, Wait a second, I've got two pigs. (laughs) And the point is if you have it and the Lord puts it on your heart, are you willing to give it? It's a matter of what you have, like the widow. She had two mites. She gave two cents, the least in the offering, but she gave everything that she had. And I'm not proposing this morning that every time we come, I didn't even bring my wallet into church. Uh, I do have giving, though. Uh, but um, I'm not saying that every time you come, you empty out your wallet. That's not what we're talking. I'm saying, look, can we be open to what God puts on our hearts to give above and beyond our? Tithes. It starts with the tithe. Now, the motivation for giving. Uh, where does that come from? Well, it comes from Scripture. Turn with me to two places. Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse six, and we're going to get there in a second. It, it talks about that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Uh, but if we sow generously, we'll reap generous. The other place is Luke chapter six, verse thirty-eight. Says that with the measure that we give, it'll be brought back to us. And I understand that when we look at these verses, and we're going to look at 2 Corinthians in a second here, um, when we look at these, there are people that will abuse these scriptures, and they will twist it, and it really is a, a giving-to-get mentality, saying, oh, if I give this you know, $100 to God, God is going to give me $1,000 back. And that, that's ridiculous. It, but the fact of the matter is that even though there are people that will abuse scripture like these, and uh, they'll twist it and they'll try to be manipulative in those. The truth is still there. And I want to encourage you that, yes, what you sow, you will reap. And so if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap a harvest, I believe, that you won't be able to contain. These truths are in scripture to be encouraging to us. Not to bring condemnation. And my heart this morning is not to bring down the hammer and say, oh, this is what we need. And by the way, I don't know who gives and who doesn't give. That's always been my mentality since I've been here at the Gateway Church. But I do believe that God is saying, I want you to be blessed in every area of your life spiritually, physically, and financially. I think when I read God's word, it's crystal clear. And so the Bible lays out these parameters, says, look, this is how it happens. This is how you will be blessed. How many want to be blessed? I know I do. The next thing that we see here is the proportion of giving. Look at it in verse 2. Again, uh, as we continue, it says, each, on the first day of the, every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. The big question is, is how much should we give? What, what does God require? Well, I think first is the 10%. We understand that. That's the Lord's. We don't want to touch that. Otherwise, we're going to be living under curse. Beyond that, though, the offerings that God, it's in accordance with God's plan. He can speak to each and every one of us in regards to how much. But sometimes when you kind of put that out there, you throw that out there saying, hey, God can speak to you, there's some fear that kind of comes up in some of our lives, and I get it. But turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11 really gives us some insight that really says, hey, there's no need to be afraid. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 24. Look what it says. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more, another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So what's the principle here? We want to give, right? And then when we give, we'll gain even more. But if we hold on to it, if we clench on to our dollars as if they're ours, we will come to poverty. And unfortunately, that happens in a lot of cases. Now, he said to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I never went there. Um, now I want you to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Some interesting verses. This is really encouraging. I believe this will help you. Look what it says. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church in a, in a third or fourth letter. He says this. He re- Remember this, whatever you sow sparingly, you'll also reap sparingly. Whatever you sow generously will also reap generously. Each man, listen, should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly. This is, again, talking about above and beyond, I believe. This is not about the tithe. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in in, the, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Go to verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is an encouraging scripture that will help us. And now, I don't believe that our giving, what we give financially, is the totality of God's blessing and God's favor in our lives. There are a lot of other uh, parts of, of God's favor and His blessing. And we're not, certainly, we're not trying to buy God's goodness here. But the point is, is we don't have to be afraid. We can give when the Lord puts it on our heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not being coerced or forced. I think a great example, the leaders here at the church really helped us through our Time to Build campaign. We said, hey, we do not want to uh, uh, twist anybody's arm. We want to present the need and leave it at that and let the Lord put it on people's hearts to give or not to give. And the reality is some people gave, some people decided not to. And uh, and that's really as, as unto the Lord. But the principle here is that God loves a cheerful giver. It's not out of reluctance or compulsion. And so the heart should be, Lord, I can't wait. I get to do this. And I believe it's crucial to say that God would say, trust me. And God says, I want to help you in this. And so the idea is that we hold our finances, our wealth, light. we hold it with an open hand, not holding on to it, because the harder we grip it, it's going to slip out. But if we hold it loosely, God will do some amazing things. Now, I want to talk about sacrificial giving just for a second. There's a place for this in our lives. And we haven't really highlighted this much. In fact, through the time to build, I was really encouraged. Hey, you know, we didn't want to talk about sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. But there is a point where there should be some sacrifice in our giving. And we're after we're after our giving this morning. We're after our time to build campaign. I feel like the Lord has allowed me to share this this morning, um, and I do want to acknowledge that for some uh, that have limited income or they've got a ton of debt or. It's, painful in their lives um, and they don't know how they're going to get through uh, to work out their day-to-day finances, that giving anything is a sacrifice. And I know there are some uh, in our midst that are like that, and I I get that. But there are others that when you write out a tithes check uh, or even you're giving in missions or in other areas, there is very little sacrifice because God has blessed you. But before the Lord, there needs to be a sacrifice at times, again, as the Lord were to put that on your heart to do so. A great example of that is King David. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 24, verse 24, um, uh, David is building an altar, and uh, want is offering to provide the sacrifice for David to put upon the altar. And look what he says. But the king replied, no, I insist on paying uh, you for it. He's going to pay for the sacrifice. He says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And sometimes we will give a token we will give a small amount compared to our overall wealth. And I would just say, when God puts on your heart to do something above and beyond that hurts a little, it's not all bad. And you want to be sensitive to that. The last thing I want to say is that there's a protection in giving. And uh, we see that in verse, verses uh, 3 and 4. Let's look at it. Says, then when I arrive, this is Paul talking to Corinth. He says, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. He's saying, Look, we'll gather it up. We're going to send it to Jerusalem, this offering that will provide some unity. And if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. The idea is that the offerings had come into the church and there needed to be some accountability some checks and balances, that the offering must be handled in a safe way. And Paul's acknowledging that. And I want to say that here, the Gateway Church, we have the best. We've got incredible checks and balances. The highest integrity proper accounting we seek wisdom when we don't know in a, in an area uh, we have our books are open for audit to be uh, to be looked at and there's not even a hint of fraud and I believe that God he honors that we have the best and we've got a great team uh, that and we've talked about that at our business meetings and different things and I believe that Paul is addressing this type of accountability here in first Corinthians chapter 16 that within the con- Paul's saying, look, we're going to gather this up. And if the offering gets to a point where it's very large, he says, look, I will accompany myself. I will bring the money with me. Now, all of this, what we've looked at this morning, and we, we've, we're, our time is wrapping up shortly here, really begs the question, are you giving? Are you giving? What are you doing with your finances? Can I ask you that? as your pastor i believe there's some that are killing themselves financially they're hurting themselves and they're living under a curse because they're not giving their first fruits and that's where it really starts and you say should i you know give my first fruits even when i'm in debt i would say yes absolutely there are others of you here that it's like a funeral every time you write out a check you're faithful but you lack some serious joy in your giving and god he would love you to give cheerfully. There are some that are missing the blessing of giving. Boy, we can I just go a couple more minutes before our interconnection? I think this is important. In Haggai, and I want to encourage you to find that. Um, if you start at Matthew and go back, it's just a couple of chapters back. That's probably the best way to find Haggai. In Haggai, the people were called to build a temple to the Lord. All right, very interesting. But in verse 5, they, they were not accomplishing what they needed to do. And look what verse 5 says. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. It says, You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The idea is that they were living in a scarcity mentality. that The Lord uh, they was there to help, but they weren't obeying God's principles. The idea is that the money just goes through them, and you say, well, why is that? It's because they neglected the house of the Lord. Look at verse 9. It says, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. They were living under a curse. The Lord was not allowing them to have the fullness of what He wanted for them. And then He challenges them to give. And then in chapter 2, verse 15, He says something that I think is very important for us this morning. Listen, he says, now give careful thought to this from this day on. I believe that the Lord is going to speak to some people this morning. And from this day forward, God is going to put in your heart to give not only the first fruits, the tithe, but also to give above and beyond as the Lord makes a way from this day, March 22nd, 2015. And I want to encourage you, if the Lord's going to uh, encourage you in that way, you may want to write it down in your Bible from this day forward. And I encourage you to start giving before this day is over. You can give before you leave. You can, uh, you can, if you don't have money, you can go and come back. But listen, watch and see. According to Malachi, test the Lord in this. In 2 Corinthians, give it a try. Why? Not because God wants you to have less. He wants you to grow in all areas. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. If you're faithful with worldly wealth, also you'll be eligible for spiritual wealth. God will entrust you with more. And this is the truth. And I'm not putting any spin on this in any way. I am not after your money, I I promise you. I am not paid on a percentage. Um, I am not intimidated by this subject. In fact, it kind of energizes me to share. And I wish we had more time. We could talk a little more. But God, He will never owe anyone anything. You cannot outgive God. And He wants your heart in the matter. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, God, that you are challenging us right now to give and to give above and beyond as you provide. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would just seal this time in our hearts and that there will be some here that will draw a line in the sand and say, from this day forward, like in Haggai, I'm going to honor God. Not only with my first fruits, which really doesn't belong to me anyway, really none of it does, but I'm also going to be listening, God, as you would speak. And Lord, that you would uh, help direct in these ways. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.